Welcome to the Future of Agriculture podcast, the show that explores the people, companies, and ideas that are shaping the future of agribusiness. Innovation, resourcefulness, and collaboration are essential for feeding a growing population, and we believe the agriculture industry is up for the challenge. Please welcome your host, Tim Hammerich. Howdy. Thanks so much for downloading this episode of the Future of Agriculture podcast. My name is Tim Hammerich. I am an agribusiness recruiter. So if you know anyone looking to hire or be hired in the business of agriculture, please reach out, tim at aggrad.com. Well, this show is a proud part of the Farm and Rural Ag Network. So if you enjoy agricultural podcasts and vlogs, that's video blogs, uh, check out the website over at farmruralag.com. Well, for quite some time, I have wanted to do an episode on this show about cooperative extension. I think there is some confusion or some vagueness around cooperative extension for those of us who live in the U.S. And and actually, this is probably a good time to just give a little bit of warning here. Uh, about 25% or so of, of, of the downloads of this podcast come from outside of the U.S. So if you are listening in other countries, this may or may not apply to your particular situation, but I still think it's a fascinating story. If you don't have the equivalent of cooperative extension in your country, I think this episode will really give you a picture of, of the value and um, perhaps uh, spur some ideas about how you might be able to encourage a system like this in, in your country. But I, I actually probably first really truly appreciated the value of cooperative extension uh, when I did my trip to Liberia, this would have been back in 2012, and I got to see firsthand a country that is rich in, in natural resources, has all the potential in the world for agricultural productivity, uh, but is struggling. Is struggling with food security, is struggling with a, getting an agricultural system uh, built up to where it's it's you know, more viable. And it's actually an economic driver for, for the country. And when you start to look at why it becomes really clear that if you are farming just to get by in that year, you're operating your business or you're, you're farming just to, um, basically for subsistence living, it, it's near impossible to take the risk of investing time and, and investing dollars into trying new ideas to see if they'll work. It's this situation where uh, you cannot tell somebody who's struggling to get through the day or struggling to keep their business alive that, hey, if you just kind of like try some new ideas, you know, one of them is going to work. There, there's a famous book um, by Howard G. Buffett called 40 Chances, I think it's called. And in that book is talking about, how, you know, the, the average farmer has sort of 40 chances for growing seasons to, to get this right. And the stakes are just too high to sort of test and understand and learn these new ideas in a lot of cases if, you know, if, if the downside is not having a crop, right, or taking a huge hit on what your crop would normally be. Well, that's where cooperative extension comes in. These are folks that their job is to do research and education related to um, agricultural productivity and then also family and consumer sciences. These people work for the taxpayer. So if you are a U.S taxpayer, they work for you. Well, one of my big pet peeves is when people say, well, agriculture is just big corporations nowadays and they dictate everything and the farmer just kind of has to listen to what they say. And, and it's really just not true. Yes, there, there are big corporations in agriculture, no doubt. Usually they're between kind of the farmer and the consumer in, in sort of the processing phase. But at the same time, there are sources of objective information. The farmer is not just subject to whatever a company says. There are people, particularly cooperative extension, that are out there working on behalf of the taxpayer and behalf of the farmer to uh, identify 
information that could help with, with the future of agriculture and disseminate that information in the way of education. So we have a fantastic representative from Cooperative Extension on the show today in Dr. Jason DeCoff. He's an associate professor and extension specialist at Tennessee State University. Uh, in his uh, professorship is in agronomy and soil sciences. He holds a PhD in agronomy from Purdue University and cites some fantastic examples of how Extension is spreading unbiased information that helps the future of agriculture. He also gives examples of how Extension is encouraging future uh, careers in agriculture for young people to look at, uh, how they are helping new farmers get into the industry for the first time, first-generation farmers. He also gives some great examples about um, uh, bioenergy, and that's a big part of his work in the work that he does, and also about drones and disseminating information related to how drones could be used in production agriculture. I really love this conversation, and I want to do more highlights of the work Extension's doing because I think a lot of us don't tap into this tremendous resource. So uh, there's probably an extension agent in your county. It, I would highly encourage you to reach out to them because like uh, Jason talks about in this interview, they work on behalf of the taxpayer. So if that's you, um, take advantage of that resource. So here is my interview with Dr. Jason DeCoff. He starts by telling us a little bit about the history of Cooperative Extension. Yeah, so uh, it actually uh, was formalized in, in 1914 with the Smith-Lever Act. And so what this did was it helped to establish the USDA's partnership with the land-grant universities. So basically the focus was on um, applied research and also providing education in agriculture. And so uh, the, the specific focus of the Cooperative Extension Program was to focus on rural agricultural issues. And did they have certain issues in mind at that time? Do you know? I'm just, I'm really curious about like, you know, how, and we'll get into all the different facets that extension goes into, but how an organization like this got founded. Yeah. So, uh, the importance was, was really trying to, um, allow the, the land grants to provide that, that research and education to people within the community to be able to get information out to those that needed it. And so uh, what we've got is a, a network established where there's usually uh, extension agents in every county or um, in every area, so a group of counties, and they basically are there to provide that information. If there's any um, sort of questions that the community has related to agricultural topics or um, anything related to, to family and, and consumer issues. Um, and then, of course, the, the youth programs, there's uh, a, a, usually an agent that's there that can represent um, the community or can represent that specific uh, topic and can help uh, provide that information. And then uh, there's also a group of extension specialists, and those are usually located in uh, at the universities or at um, you know the experimental stations throughout the state, and they provide information to the agents. And so this is all research-based and unbiased information that the agents can use when they're talking to folks in their communities. Yeah, I, I think you hit on a really important point there about the information being unbiased. Uh, can, can you talk a bit, little bit about that as far as I know 
there's this perception out here that companies are doing a lot of research. And obviously, you all are, are doing a, a fair amount of research uh, yourselves. Kind of the importance of the Cooperative Extension providing that unbiased voice. Yeah, I think it's important because uh, obviously, you know, as, as much as any sort of a, a private company, you know, tries to uh, provide information and, and even, you know, as, as unbiased as possible, there's always the concern that, you know, there's a conflict of interest there. And so the idea is that the the cooperative extension program, you know, our funding comes from taxpayers. And so we are really beholden to the taxpayers to provide that unbiased information. And uh, it's all uh, research based. So the research that comes out of the different land grant universities and, and other other areas, uh, other types of institutions like that are able to provide that kind of information to uh, to the communities. So it's it. I think it's a, a pretty important idea. And I'm really intrigued by just the different facets of cooperative extension. So can you talk a little bit just about your world? Uh, what's your role in cooperative extension, and what's that look like for you day to day? Sure. So with with cooperative extension, uh, my my specific role is as an extension specialist. Okay, so I am based at. Uh, the university here, uh, Tennessee State University. And so we've got two land-grant universities uh, in Tennessee. One is Tennessee State University, where I am, and then there's also the University of Tennessee. And so both of us, you know, we work together um, to provide these programs. We, we Both institutions have extension agents in the, in the local communities, and we all work together to provide this information. And so the area that I work in is in generally in, in agricultural sciences or natural resources. And so I try to provide information to, to folks on different things from uh, soil science, which is my background, to uh, bioenergy, which is a, a thing that I've been specializing in here recently at Tennessee State. And so a lot of times, you know, as far as the day to day goes, um, I've got you know, different things that I might be working on, whether it's uh, working on creating a fact sheet based on some research uh, that can be published online or handed out at at, uh, at workshops. Um, also, you know, uh, providing certain workshops or demonstrations to individuals. Sometimes uh, extension agents will ask uh, extension specialists to come out to their county and provide this kind of training on a, on a particular topic that they feel that that their stakeholders could really get something out of. Uh, sometimes, you know, it's it's just you know replying to emails from from stakeholders or phone calls um, from agents. Um, and then, of course, you know, there's there's also a, an evaluation process that we go through once we've completed our our programs to identify their impact. And then there's uh, reporting, which is you know being able to report those impacts to the USDA and the funding agencies that, that we've gotten the funding from. And you mentioned stakeholders there. Uh, you know, I always picture cooperative extension as like helping farmers, right? That, that mm -hmm. hey, you're a soil expert. And um, obviously, if a farmer has a soil question or maybe they send in a soil sample and the cooperative extension agent helps them out. Um, is that who the stakeholders are? Are they farmers or who are the people that you're uh, helping on a day to day basis? Well, uh, it's it's more than just farmers um, because we've got uh, agents that are also involved in uh, family and consumer sciences, and so 
they're going to disseminate information to families on topics like uh, nutrition or uh, basically the overall uh, well-being, um, even something as simple as like, you know, how to balance a checkbook and some of those day-to-day things that would be helpful to uh, families and households. And then we've also got other agents that are 4-H agents. And so those are the ones that are working uh, with youth development, um, enhancing the knowledge and leadership skills of, of tomorrow's leaders. So uh, there's a number of different facets and a number of different stakeholders. And a lot of times some of our stakeholders are just, you know, the general public because, um, there might be, you know, if we talk about uh, gardening, you know, there's a lot of homeowners out there that, you know, might have backyard gardens. So the stakeholders can can encompass, uh, you know, everybody sometimes. Interesting. And I, to me, I, I don't think I've ever and this is embarrassing to say, I don't think I've ever reached out to an extension agent. Uh, do you have a lot of inbound requests of, of you know, I, I think it, the biggest thing is I just it never entered my mind. And that's why I'm excited to do this this show and probably other extension shows later is because like we have this tremendous resource that at least I, for one, haven't used. Do you find that to be a widespread problem where people just don't know the resources are there for them? Yeah, I think it depends. Uh, I think it depends upon the location. Uh, I think it depends upon the person themselves, whether they've, you know, kind of grown up in that in that um, understanding of of cooperative extension. I think, uh, you know, uh, Getting out into the communities is sometimes hard, but uh, our our extension agents are are really the the unsung heroes of of the extension program because they're really the boots on the ground that are uh, able to to provide you know the information to you know the folks that need it. So um, a lot of times there you know there are some folks that that don't know about extension, but you know we try um, to to market it as much as possible and and to get the word out there that. You you know, we're here um, for, you know, a lot of different questions that, you know, the general public uh, might have. Great. Uh, Jason, if you could t- take us through an example, uh, either of yourself or another extension agent that you know of, just an example of a project that you've worked on to kind of give us a, an understanding of, of how cooperative extension works and the value it provides. Sure. So, so I'll go through a project that I've been working on um, over the past few years, and uh, it was a uh, an extension uh, project that uh, I had applied for uh, a grant from the USDA, and uh, we were, um, you know, lucky enough to to receive the funding, and it, it was basically to create a, a mobile demonstration that uh, we could use to. Um, to show farmers how to make um, biodiesel on their own farms using the oil seeds that they they grew on their farm, hmm. and so um, the the demonstration itself was a, a big 24 foot uh, gooseneck trailer, and it had some uh, windows that opened up on the side so you could see inside the trailer. And inside the trailer, we had uh, the equipment that could be used, so we were able to to really demonstrate uh, how it worked and um, some of the costs that were involved. And so I worked with uh, some other faculty that were at the university here, uh, along with some agents in the county so that uh, they would basically host the meeting, the demonstration, um, and invite their their stakeholders. And uh, we would be able to, to roll up in the in the trailer and provide you know the different different types of uh, uh, demonstrations that we had and then, 
Um, following that, we were able to, to do an evaluation of the, the folks, the participants that were there uh, to find out what sort of impacts there were. And so, um, you know, we had, we had really good impacts from the project. We uh, were able to identify significant increases in knowledge and awareness and interest in, in biodiesel production. And uh, what we've actually done now is we've taken the demonstration around to schools and 4-H camp to show students a different side of agriculture. And so they've, they've also, the students that, that have been involved have also indicated, uh, you know, increases in knowledge. But um, from our evaluations, what's even cooler is that uh, between one third and one half of them showed an increase in their interest in seeking a career in agriculture or bioenergy. So it's having some, some interesting impacts. And so, you know, along those lines, you know, we also um, have, you know, taken the, the demonstration to different events. Like we, we've had it at the Tennessee State Fair a number of years. Um, we've also developed fact sheets related to some of the different things that we talk about in our workshop and, and posted those online. So we try to get as much information out there as possible so that, you know, people, people can, can see it. And so in our case with the, with the biodiesel demonstration, so, you know, farmers, you know, can make an educated decision whether it's something that's suitable for, for their enterprise or not. Yeah, no, I think that's a great example because you're not um, you're not trying to sell them any anything. Obviously, you know, you're there just to help right. and provide unbiased information. In a, in a project like that, how does it? How do you decide that that's the project that you want to work on? You know, how, how does that part come up? Where I'm, I'm assuming, you know, you need to figure out where the funding is going to come from, kind of frame out the project, get it approved. Like, you know, where where does that initial push happen for a project? Well, uh, with uh, with the USDA and uh, uh, our land grant system, there are certain uh, grants uh, that are available every year, and so we usually know uh, when they're coming out, and then we usually know the certain topics that that we would want to apply for uh, for the funding, and so. Um, you know, we've got some time to, to think about it. A lot of times we'll uh, get a group of individuals together either um, at the same university. A lot of times we try to collaborate with, a, you know, other universities or organizations outside of our own. And uh, we're able to come up with, you know, an idea to that we think is, is going to be important. And, and another thing that we do is we do these things uh, uh, called needs assessments. And in those cases, we go... So, for instance, with the with the mobile demonstration, uh, a year or two before uh, we had even written the proposal, I had uh, done a needs assessment. And so basically I did I created a survey and I sent it out to all of our uh, ag agents in in Tennessee and just finding out what kinds of information they wanted to know about bioenergy, what sort of things they thought that their stakeholders might be interested in. And then from that, we were able to kind of gauge you know, the importance level of different things. And, and we were able to use some of that information, some of that data in helping us to, to get the grant for the mobile biodiesel uh, project that we have. It's so cool. I mean, it's so um, entrepreneurial that you don't you don't think about the government, you know, government jobs being that entrepreneurial, but it really is. I mean, if, if a company were to come to you, let's say I, I have a new company that is going to um, that, you know, I claim can reduce 
um, uh, let's say, reduce, you know, impact of, of some pest. Let's say it's this new technology and I want you to help me disseminate the information because I can, uh, you know, use the extension as an unbiased tool to to educate consumers about my new technology. Is that something that you could do? It, say, hey, I'll provide the funding. You do the research and you just objectively tell them whatever you want. I'm that confident in my product. Um, it's, it's possible. I haven't heard of uh, a situation where, where that has occurred, where uh, a company has specifically used like an, an extension service to get information out. Um, but it's something, you know, as long as, you know, it, it, it's tough. It's a fine line because you don't necessarily want to be representing a company. Mm-hmm. Um, because there are, you know, one company might have one solution, but, you know, usually there, there are multiple solutions out there. And so if you focus on one solution, you know, there's always the, the concern that, you know, you're not giving, you know, enough um, enough information about about those other things that are out there. OK, so how does Cooperative Extension work with private industry? What's that relationship typically look like? So a lot of times uh, with with extension, we will uh, there's a relatively limited amount of uh, of interaction, but some private companies will will do things like sponsor a uh, a field day uh, where we have people come to learn about a certain topic, whether it's uh, no till agriculture or cover cropping or or whatever it is, and basically those a lot of those companies will. Um, have a booth at the the trade show that's there or, or something like that. And so they'll be able to provide their information. Um, and then, you know, they, they're providing some funding, uh, for, for the, the field day itself. Um, sometimes an industry will invite, uh, an extension specialist to come and talk about a topic that's relevant to the company. Um, and so in those cases, there's, there's that partnership, but there's, you know, there's, you know, this importance on, on understanding that, you know, we're really the source of, of the unbiased information so that there's no concern that, you know, it, you know, it's, it's coming from, you know, a different source. What, what is it about uh, the cooperative extension work that appeals to you so much? Is it more the research or the, or the education component or combination of the two kind of what, what uh, gets you excited to get out of bed in the morning and do this? Well, there's there's a couple of different things. I'd say um, one of the things is that there's a, a lot of variety. Um, you know, if there's something that I, I have a passion for, I can pursue it and I can, you know, uh, write a grant to try to get funding to, to be able to, to be engaged in, in that particular topic. Um, also, you know, it's just the, the point of, of being able to help people and, uh, you know, have a real world, real world application to some of the things that I'm doing. And mm. so, um, I think those two things are, are really the, the things that, that keep me moving forward and keep me, uh, passionate about a, a career in extension. Is there anything that you've heard of like another, I imagine extension agents probably talk to other extension agents for sure in, in the state of Tennessee, but also probably beyond. Is there anything you heard that you're just like, wow, I'm, I am. I never thought extension would be working on a project like that. Well, I think uh, you know, there's uh, there's 
an interesting program that's that's out there now that's really focused on engaging new farmers. Hmm. Uh, and so the USDA is providing funds for for those kinds of programs, and it's it's pretty important because you know the average age of the of the farmer is in the upper fifties, and so we really need to recruit new people into agriculture. And so, you know, at, uh, at actually at, at, there's a number of different, uh, new farmer programs that are, that are being started up actually at, at Tennessee state university, we've got one that's uh, been going for the past few years that we call the new farmer Academy. And basically farmers come, they, they get to uh, be involved in multiple workshops and they learn, you know, everything there is to know about farming from, you know, how to start the business, different marketing strategies, business management, uh, how to apply for grants and federal assistance. But then they also uh, engage in hands-on training where, you know, they can learn things like uh, fruit tree pruning or calibrating a, a sprayer or uh, how to install drip irrigation or equipment operation and those kinds of things. So they're getting some some real applications, uh, some real training involved. And then uh, the, the great thing is that upon graduation, they can get a plot of land on our, our research and extent uh, education farm for about a year to kind of try things out work out the kinks and make sure that this is something that they really want to get into uh, before paying the upfront costs of, of purchasing land or purchasing equipment. And so I think it's a really uh, a really neat way of being able to, to help, you know, somebody out, new farmers um, to to see, you know, to understand every facet of it before they actually uh, get into it. And that's a lot of times what we do with Extension is is we provide a lot of that information so that the stakeholder can make an educated decision about, you know, what they want to do. That's fantastic. And I'll definitely link up uh, in the show notes a link to that program because that sounds really, really interesting. Do you, do you know how much land they get or is it a set amount? Uh, I think it's a it's a relatively small amount to just kind of start them out. I'm not I, I can't quote an actual figure, mm-hmm. and, you know, but it's it's a relatively small amount just to to give them that opportunity to to kind of try it out and see if it works and, you know, use some of the equipment and, and that kind of thing. Jason, I know you mentioned a, another project you're working on with drones. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, sure. It's a it's a new project that I'm really excited about. We recently got a grant from the USDA, uh, and we're going to focus on using drones in agriculture. And since it's an extension project, we're basically going to be letting farmers try the drones before they buy them. So uh, they'll actually get a chance to test fly a drone and learn about the different options, the different types of drones that are out there, and then uh, also how they can be used by farmers. So I'm hoping to to get some some farmers there that can talk to the other farmers about how they're using the the drones and their specific practices, uh, and then also talking about some of the legal issues with with flying these uh, these drones in in agriculture. Uh, we're gonna also have a youth component, uh, thanks to the the help of my counterpart, Dr. Tom Broyles, who's a 4-H program leader here at TSU, and the youth component's gonna include drone kits where the, the kids will get to put together a drone uh, and then learn about how they work. And then they can also use some some flight simulator software and they'll be learning certain aspects of electrical engineering and robotics and flight. And so basically in that uh, sense, we'll be using the drones to teach important STEM 
concepts to the to the youth that are involved in the programs. So it's a like I said, it's a it's a new project, and I'm I'm really interested in in getting started on it. That is awesome. I I you guys should make a video of like uh, filming like ten different farmers trying to fly a drone for the first time. I don't know. I just for some reason I think that would be fun. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we're definitely going to incorporate a lot of videos, so I'm sure we'll be able to get some uh, some outtakes and some bloopers as well. And if there's a farmer listening, I imagine, is that project only for farmers in Tennessee? Yeah, right now, uh, the focus is on farmers in, in Tennessee. But of course, you know, there's always the, the potential in the future to try to expand on that and, and bring that curriculum and, and some of the ideas that, and, the, and the new uh, information that we've gained to, to other folks around the country. Okay. And for a project like that, will it have its own website or should they just get in touch with you if they're interested? Yeah, uh, they can they can get in touch with me. Definitely. Um, we will also be creating a, a website uh, on uh, our, our Tennessee State University website that talks about the project and some of the different meeting dates and, and the objectives of the project. So, yes, there will also be a, a website that's going to be available in the near future. Very cool. And I'm also jealous of the of the kids who get to learn how to uh, put together a drone. I think that that'll be a really, really cool project. Yeah, it's it's really great. Uh, you know, I have uh, two younger children myself. And so, uh, you know, thinking about, you know, kids that age being able to, to do something like that. I think uh, I think that's something that'll really um, energize them into, you know, thinking about, you know, some of these different aspects, especially as they relate to agriculture. Cool. I, I want to ask you about the the monitoring and evaluation piece because I think it's a bit, um, it, you know, I know it's very very important in, in projects such as international ag development, and I'm sure it's probably very important in, in your work as well. Um, meaning, how do you prove that your work is effective? You know, how, how do you look at that, and, and sort of what types of reporting do you need to do um, to provide that information? Yeah, so that's that's one of the most important things that we do is is the reporting aspect because of course we're getting funding from you know the taxpayers and we we need to be able to show what sort of impacts that their money is having on uh, on you know themselves and their community and so um, one of the things specifically in Tennessee we have an online system that we use where extension agents and specialists can keep track of every meeting or phone call or or email or or whatever it is that. Um, where we've provided some kind of engagement with our stakeholders to provide them some kind of information. And other states, I'm sure, have similar reporting systems like that. Um, so that's one way that we're able to, to keep track of, of what's going on and what we're doing on a, on a day-to-day basis. And then also at uh, meetings and workshops, we use evaluation. So I mentioned that before with, with some of the stuff that I've done. But we use the evaluations to identify, you know, potential changes in their knowledge or interest based on, you know, the meeting that we've had or the demonstration that we've provided. Uh, and then we can also do follow-up evaluations to identify if there's a change in behavior where people have implemented something that they learned at an extension workshop. And so, you know, if that's the case, then that can be converted into some kind of economic factor to identify the amount of money that's been saved or additional revenue that's been generated by farmers due to our extension programs. And so uh, all this information becomes part of these impact statements that, that we all write and they are, of course, important in the annual reporting that we provide to the USDA. 
if somebody's listening and they're like, boy, I would have loved to hear about how I could, you know, create my own biodiesel on my farm or, you know, any of these other examples that you've mentioned, how should people be finding out about the work Extension is doing? You know, if where would you point them to start? Well, I think, uh, you know, every state has their own cooperative extension program. And so in the state that they're they're in, I would look at the land grant universities and, and every every land grant university is going to have a cooperative extension program. So, you know, it'd be something simple as as Googling, um, you know, Tennessee State University Extension um, and you know, every every extension program is going to have a website. So that's probably the easiest thing for somebody do, to do to find out what sort of programs are going on in, in their state or in their county um, and and get that that information that they're looking for. And, and you may not know outside of Tennessee, but I'm curious, do, do you know, does every county have a designated extension agent? Yeah, there's. Uh, I think there's. Uh, most of the states have uh, an extension program, um, and in in Tennessee specifically, we have an extension office in every county. Um, not every state has that. Some states have uh, an office that's that's shared by a number of counties, but uh, it's it's a pretty widespread program that's that's available to you know a lot of different individuals. Okay. Well, I'm still really, really interested in, in, in doing some more uh, follow-up episodes on, on the various aspects of, of extension, because I think you, just that one project you shared with me, I think that's so fascinating about uh, a mobile biodiesel generator that you could have on your farm and making your own biodiesel. And I know that there's that's just one example of the numerous projects that are being done across the country in cooperative extension. As you look to the future, um, do you see cooperative extension changing uh, either now or into the future? Uh, how do you think it might look different uh, in, in the coming decades? Well, I think uh, I think extension in the future is going to be similar to what it is today and what it's always been. The the topics will change, but I think the overarching goals are, are going to stay the same. Uh, but one thing that I think it, it might change is the way that we communicate with stakeholders. So, um, you know, face to face is always going to be the best way to, to communicate with folks, but not everybody has the time to attend workshops. And so I think uh, one of the things that, that we need to, to think about more is is the way we can interact online and, and make sure that people are uh, that we're keeping up with the latest communication technology. And so I think, you know, things like uh, social media um, is is a great way for us to, to get our information out there as well. I notice a lot of farmers on social media are exchanging ideas and talking about different methods they're using on the farm. And uh, Extension really needs to make sure that that they're there to, to engage in those conversations as well. So I think, uh, you know, any sort of a, of an online discussion, uh, engaging with, with social media is, is really going to be, uh, something that's, that's important and that we need to build on in the future. I'm sure there'll be other communication platforms, but, um, I think it's important to, to stay current with those just so that, so that we're where we're wherever the people are. Yeah. And I know, I know with you specifically, you're active on Twitter. Uh, what's your Twitter handle in case anybody listening might want to follow up with you? Sure. It's at TSU Bioenergy. Great. Hey, Jason, thanks so much for being on the show. This has been really interesting. Sure. No problem. Thanks again for having me.
Hope you enjoyed that interview with Dr. Jason DeCoff from Tennessee State University. I think this extension stuff is extremely fascinating and uh, often overlooked in the value it contributes to agriculture, at least in this country. I uh, would encourage you, if you haven't already, to check out our new podcast. So I own a company called AgGrad, and it helps to encourage young people to get into the industry. And not, and not just young people, really anyone looking to pivot into an agriculture industry or a new career in agriculture. We have a show that we've been doing on Facebook Live every week, ranging from career discovery, where we'll highlight a, an interesting career in agriculture, to more personal development, like how to use you know, LinkedIn and how, you know, job interview tips and that sort of thing. So it's pretty wide ranging, but it's very career focused. If you're interested in stuff like that, check that out. It's called the AgGrad Live podcast um, with yours truly. So anyway, thank you so much. And we will be back next week. And we're getting ramped up to eventually start this next series on sustainability at scale. Thank you for listening to the Future of Agriculture podcast with Tim Hammerich. Visit futureofag.com, that's futureofagag.com today to get connected into careers in the agriculture industry. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next week. Thank you.